0: How many are hungry for the word tonight? Amen. Amen. I'm going to preach a message I, do, I know I've never preached before. It always amazes me after all these years of preaching that I can find stuff I've never preached. 1 Corinthians 15. So I mentioned last week or Sunday um, that this coming up Sunday is, is Pentecost Sunday. And you've, you may have been in church your whole life. If you've been in, you've been in church your whole life, you've heard that. If you haven't, you obviously haven't. But since you've been coming here, you might have even heard. Um, and then Sunday we talked about the feasts that are the appointed times, that are celebrations that the, Jew- that the Jewish people celebrated before Christ came and are very important to us. And so I want to I give you an understanding tonight as you look at this, that question, are you Pentecostal? It's an interesting question because a lot of people don't know uh, if they're Pentecostal or not, and they don't know what Pentecostal means. So I, I could ask some people in here tonight, and some of you that, let me ask this. If you weren't raised in church, how many of you that weren't raised in church, but you grew up around people who went to church ever heard the word Pentecostal? Let me see your hands. Okay, right here, over here, over here. Okay. Now, when you heard that word Pentecostal, were there some stereotypes with it? Okay. There were some stereotypes with it, meaning when you heard that word Pentecostal, um, there, something would come into your mind, and, and it could be different things. Lots of people, when they hear the word Pentecostal, automatically just think crazy. <laughs> right. That's a word, crazy. Uh, out of control. Wild. Jesus freaks, right? Whatever, whatever you, you, but you'd hear that word and then, and then another word would be when you hear the word Pentecostal you would hear um, dre- certain dress. Women can't wear makeup, long hair, skirts, no pants, no, no jewelry. Those ca- so, so when you hear those words, uh, those, those things are stereotypes that, that come into your mind. And so, someone might say, uh, you know, what, what denomination are you? You don't know, and you say, sometimes we'll say non-denomination. Some people say, well, we're Pentecostal, or we're Baptist, or we're Methodist, or we're all these different things. And it's funny because people say things and they don't really even know what that means. And so, I want to an- answer that question tonight in the scriptures because this is a week for us that's very exciting. And, and I want you to understand, and I want to ask you this question too. When you heard those stereotypes, for those of you, you that raised your hands, um, you might have came into this church and you might have found out that we are considered Pentecostal. When I say considered, you'll see why in a minute. That you heard people say, we're Pentecostal or um, whatever, and then you think, that this doesn't seem to be what I heard Pentecostal was. And so the reason is, is because the word Pentecostal has nothing to do in itself, the word, with what's tied to it. As far as what that means, it means 50th. Okay, so if someone would have, you know, if they they could have said, I guarantee you nobody that you ever asked what they said they were said, I'm 50th. I'm a 50th. Because they don't even know that that's what Pentecost means. It means 50th. So going off of the the feast, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 15 in just a second. Going off the feast, we talked about this Sunday, um, The the people understood what many of us don't today. What we're learning is that 50th meant that after the Passover, they would begin to count 50 days. And on the 50th day after Passover, that would be considered the day of Pentecost. Another word for it is the Feast of Weeks. And so it would be a countdown and it would be something that they would, they would count every day, second, third, second, kind of like we count up to Christmas, or we count up to our birthday, or we count to the end of the year. And they were counting, and then on the 50th day, that would happen. Now, the interesting thing is, is we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Jesus is, is mentioned here by Paul, and we, we said this uh, Sunday, but I want to hit it again because it says down there, and in, in, in when I talked about what the gospel is, I believe it was last Wednesday, um, it says that, that he, Christ died according to the scriptures, verse 3, and he rose again on the, on the third date, verse 4, and then verse 5, he was seen by Cephas, and then by the twelve. This is very important. This might not seem like important, but it's very important. And then after that, he was seen by who? Somebody shout it out. Over 500 brethren at once. Now, an interesting thing about over 500 is, we know that in the, in, think about this, in the numbers of the Bible in the New Testament, they're very modest. Except for the actual 12 apostles, every time they counted, it was always more than what they counted. So it says over 500 people, okay? So that means at least. Could have been 501, could have been 510, could have been 520, but it was over 500 people at once, Verse 6, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. So as he's writing this Bible, as he's writing this book of Corinthians, some of the people who heard uh, or saw Jesus with their own eyes, do you realize that? With their own eyes, with their own hands touched him, ate with him, heard his voice, were still alive when this was written. Can, Can you imagine what that would have been like to be alive at that time? Okay, so then we see that 500 saw him. Then he was seen, verse 7, by James. Then by all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. But we know that Saul became Paul after he saw Jesus in a vision. He did not see him in person while he was alive. He was already uh, ascended. Now go back to the book of Acts chapter 1. And I want to show you something of what... Um, what Pentecost is. So you can, you can answer the question, am I Pentecostal? Okay, am I Pentecostal? Give me an amen when you get to Acts chapter 1. This is going to be more of a teaching message. Because I want you to grab, grab something out of this. I want you to understand why it's so important that we do the things that we do and the, that we contend for the things that we contend for. How many know what contend means? It means fight for, stand for, stand on, continue to do. We, we've got to continue to do today in 2017 until Christ returns what we've been told to do by Jesus. Amen? Now, Acts chapter 1. We'll read quite a few verses here because the reason I'm choosing to do this this week is, again, this Sunday is, is Pentecost. And I want us to understand our history. How many, as you've gotten older especially, have began to understand how important history is? We don't get it. when we're. if you're young in here, grasp that right now. Just listen to us and believe us that history is important. When you're at school, for some reason, it's, the, it's one of the most boring subjects in the world. It, it's not interesting. But it, so for some reason, as you get older, you start understanding that, that I, I am a part of history. My family is history, and, and, and who I am is history, and where I came from is history, and where I was born is history, and so on and so forth. So it's very important to know our history. And as you get older, if you don't believe this is the truth, that people are interested in history now, think about the boom that is Ancestors.com. I don't know what the, I would, I don't know what the amount of money they're making is, but I guarantee you they are making a lot of money off of this program called Ancestors.com because as people get older, they start wanting to know, where am I from? Who are my family? Why am I like I am? Where do I come from? Where was I born? And so on and so forth. And so it's important for us as a church to understand our history and to understand where we came from so that we can continue on with what Jesus wants us, wants us to do. So let's look at Acts chapter 1. And let's start in verse 4. And being assembled together with them, this is Jesus, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now, and therefore when they had come together they asked him Lord when will you when Lord will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel He said it's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's our history. Now fast forward just a few verses. They, 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 they find the 12th disciple. They cast lots for him. Uh, they, they're getting things together. And chapter 2, we're going to read this in just a second, um, but, I, but I want you to understand it says right here, let's look at verse, two, verse ch- sorry, chapter 2 verse 1. It says, when the day of what? When the day of Pentecost had fully come. Now when we read this, it makes a little more sense. That's what it means when it says it had fully come. It means the 50 days had come. So it was not so important in the sense of um, that, that it, the name Pentecost was there. Uh, then that's what makes people who they are. But it's, it's the fact that it was fulfilling a feast... And on that day, something happened. Okay? On that day, something happened. And the biggest thing we need to understand is we are in this week of Pentecost and the Feast of Weeks celebrating Sunday is we need to understand that we as a church were born. The church was conceived on that day. The church that came to life that day. The church happened that day. Why? Because Jesus said it would. Okay, He said it would. He said in Luke 24 49. You have to go there for time. He said these same words. He says I want you to go and I want you to wait for the promise that I'm going to send. And so it's very important that we understand why. why are we Pentecostal? Am I Pentecostal? What is Pentecostal? And we're going to look in the scriptures and see. It's not just what you have stereotyped it to be. It's not just what we think it is, or what someone else has told us about. There's a reason why it's Pentecost. Now, Jesus was on the earth for, and I want someone to shout it out if they know it. How many days was Jesus on the earth before he ascended into heaven after he resurrected from the dead? Someone shout it out. 40 days. Okay? That's another thing people don't think about. They kind of picture Jesus coming out the tomb. High-fiving some of his disciples, eating a fish dinner, and hopping up on the plane. That's not what he did. He was on the earth for 40 days. But it wasn't by accident. He wasn't just here for 40 days because he was on this earth at that time for a reason. Because he was looking ahead to the next feast, the next appointed time. And he knew that he had to be on this earth for 40 days. And obviously there's many, that's a whole other message, 40, uh, many reasons why it's 40. But at 40 days, he meets with these, sorry, at 40 days he ascends into heaven on that 40th day. But before, a few days before, we just saw in Acts 1, he says, I want you to go and I want you to wait for the promise. That's why we know there was 10 days that they were in the upper room. Because Jesus was on the earth for 40 days after Passover. Or, uh, uh, and actually, it's really literally, it starts at Passover, but then you have, obviously, you understand the unleavened bread, which was what He was, and then the first fruits when He rose from the dead. Okay? And then you count 50 days, and then on that 50th day is what we're reading right here that says when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Okay? So it's a day that's special because on that day, the church was born. Okay, the actual church of Christ. The church, the body of Christ was born. And, and, but the thing that's under, uh, important to understand is the tie to that day is what took place that day. Okay, What happened on that day uh, that, that makes us, if we are, Pentecostal. And, and here's an interesting and funny thing. How many people... And this is just an example. This, is, this isn't to knock anybody. This is just an example. How many people in this world today say they're Baptist? But there's only one John the Baptist. There's only one John the Baptist. But, so they didn't, they didn't baptize anybody, but they call themselves Baptists. Okay, I'm just giving a generic, generic example. If you want to be real and honest and specific, every believer in Jesus Christ is, is Pentecostal everyone let me let that simmer in for a second because when was the church born on the day of Pentecost so every believer is Pentecostal because that's where our that's where our heritage goes back to that's where our history goes back to you you you, you can you could be born today in in this country But your family is from another country. Where's your history at? That other country. It goes back to to the very beginning. And so we have to understand, everybody that believes in Jesus Christ is Pentecostal because they were born, the church was born on the day of Pentecost. Okay? How many are understanding that? See, Passover I had nothing to do with. Unleavened bread, I had nothing to do with it. I couldn't be the Passover lamb, so I can't be be Passover. I can't be unleavened bread because I'm definitely not perfect. And I can't be first fruits because I've never risen from the dead. Why am I called Pentecostal? Am I Pentecostal? Because on the day of Pentecost, the church was born. And the interesting thing is that some of you are going to get this maybe tomorrow afternoon at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. The light bulb might come on if you're not grasping it yet. This is the part of history where God involved us. Where God involved us. We didn't have anything to do with the Passover. We didn't have anything to do with unleavened bread. We didn't have anything to do with first fruits. We don't have any power over when Feast of Trumpets happens, which we believe is the rapture. We don't have any power over the second coming of Christ. That's Jesus all the way. We don't have any power over reigning the, in the millennial reign, although we're going to be participants in those three things. But in the middle, God said, I'm going to use people. And you know what it does? It should do. And this is why I'm talking about this tonight. And like I said, I've never preached this message before. It's, it's a thought that says, I should really understand how amazing it is that I'm living in the age of all of history that is involved with Jesus. Jesus. As a person. And watch this. It goes even further. I'm going to mention this now and then show you why. Not only are we involved, but we are infilled with God. The same God who said, let there be light, lives inside of us. Do you understand that? The same Jesus. The Bible says, if the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you it will quicken your mortal body. Okay? And so God says, I, I've done it a certain way for a long time, and I've had a representative of me. I've had uh, leaders, and, and those were the people that I used so that all the people had to come in and had to sacrifice their sins through them had, them, had to have them stand in the presence of God for them. But on the day of Pentecost, Jesus said, Now... I am going to change things and I am going to dwell inside of you and I'm going to use you and millions of other people to spread the word in a way that's never happened before and will never happen again. That's our history. Now something very important is, is qu- we're going to come back here in just a second. I want you to, now let's go ahead and read real quick a couple of verses more. And let's start from one again. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. And I'll be honest with you. Listen, when I was growing up and when I first got saved, and even when I studied to be a minister, I did not know what this meant. I'm being honest with you. Had no clue. When the day of Pentecost, I mean, I was one of those people that just automatically thought Pentecost meant that, you know, whatever whatever stereotype we thought. I had no idea that it was a feast. I'm being honest with you. I had no idea it was a feast. I had no idea of feast meant an appointed time. I had no, no idea of that stuff. I wasn't taught that. But when you begin, how many love that is, the more you study the word, it, the word becomes more and more alive. It makes more and more sense. Things, things tie together more and more. And, and, then, and then you realize, I'm not just if I am a Pentecostal because a, a denomination says I am or the church says I am. What is Pentecostal? That's the question. So it says in verse 1, when that had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven. Now this is amazing. A sound from heaven. We don't even, we can't grasp what that sound would be like. Because we haven't heard it. I mean, probably the closest thing we can understand to that sound is thunder and lightning. Think about it. That, I mean, coming from that high, coming from heaven, it said there came a sound from heaven. And as I talked on Sunday, I don't know, I don't know about you, but there's a sound I'm listening for right now. The church was born with a sound, and the church age is going to end with a sound. It's not the same sound, but it's a sound. And I hope you know what that sound is by now. Hopefully you've been learning long enough and been in this church long enough to know what that sound is. Can somebody shout out what that sound is we're looking for? A trumpet. Amen? We read that Sunday. So there was a sound, and and it's hard for us to imagine a trumpet sound so loud that every person in all the world can hear it that's a believer. Amen? And it's so so amazing to think about that, but over 2,000 years ago, what we are, I want you to grasp this, what we're looking for today happened this day, Sunday, 2,000 years ago. It happened, and, and it's, it, that same sound will happen again, and it's hard for us to grasp 2,000 years. because That's a lot of time our minds can't really go there. But that's why I said we should be so excited to understand that we're living in the day that could hear that sound again. And just as we're assembled together here tonight, all together, we come with one accord. We come with one mind. A true, healthy church comes to church with one mind and one spirit. And that, that spirit is to worship the living God. It's that true spirit is, is to give God the glory. That true spirit is to, is to prepare ourselves to be the best examples that we can be to the rest of the world so that the rest of the world will hear that sound too. But the thing we've got to understand, as I throw this part in there, is, is just as on the day of Pentecost, today it's the same way. There are people who don't want to hear. There are people who don't want to go to that place. The thing that, that's really hit me over all the years of studying this, that I have known, is that I just read you a few minutes ago that Jesus appeared to over 500 people. Correct? Over 500, but let's just leave it at the 500. And we know from history, and we'll read in a second, we know the Bible tells us that there was 120 people in the upper room when when the day of Pentecost fully came. Where were the other people? Now we know from there. Someone could have passed away in those days. It was just a few days, but someone could have passed away in those, ten, in those you know, laps of days. Someone could have died. But there was a whole bunch of people who heard Jesus say, I want you to go and I want you to wait. And, I, and I'm choosing you to be my church. And somehow, some way, see, we think sometimes, man, it's, you know, this world gets us caught up. They got caught up right then and got busy with Jesus standing in front of their face. Because between when he said, go to the room and wait, and when the day of Pentecost came, there was only 120 people. When over five, don't you think Jesus wanted all of those people to be there? Have you ever been in an event that you did, a birthday party, a thing, a celebration, or something you organized? I feel this every service, where you want everybody to be there? Amen. Have you ever done that? And you're like kind of bummed. You're like, why aren't they here? Why aren't they here? Where are they at? You know what I'm saying, right? You get what I'm trying to say. You want everybody to be there. You, you do a birthday party or an event or, because you want everybody to be there. If you make food for 500 people, you don't want 100 people to show up. You made food for 500, you want 500 to show up. And Jesus had a plan and he wanted everybody to be there. But something happened. I don't know the details of that. Something happened between then and there and only 120 people showed up. Okay? How many are with me? And so those 120 said, like we do today, I'm going to choose to be a part of the church. I'm going to choose to be used by God. Now, it says in the next verse, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of, Now it says as of. It wasn't a literal rushing wind. As of a rushing mighty wind. Can you imagine a rushing mighty wind that's not physical? That's what's happening here. Something's coming into that place. And and this is what we always, church, always should be praying for when we come to church. We should come in with the expectancy that when we're praising and worshiping God, that a wind would blow through this place. And, and, and it's not a physical wind where you see something move. You know, the fans will make that thing move over there a little bit. It's, it's not something physical. It's something spiritual that, that, that fills you. And it says that wind blew through that place, and, but it was, a, it was something they could hear, but there was more something they could feel. And can you imagine the excitement as they've been praying and contending for 10 days that all of a sudden they knew in their spirits something is happening. Something's happening. And i got to stop here for a second. Remind me that I'm right in the middle of, chapter, of verse 2. Okay, Hold that and run over to Joel real quick. Use your marker and run over to Joel. Chapter 2. They're all in one accord. They're in one place. Where's the place? The place Jesus said. The place Jesus said to assemble. He said, go and get in that upper room and pray and wait for the promise. The promise. Mean amen when you get to Joel chapter 2 and teaching you how you have to understand the Old Testament and the New Testament and how they they talk about each other and they're intertwined together. And Joel, the minor prophet, says here in, in verse 28, and it shall come to pass. Now I ask you again, do you believe tonight that everything Jesus says will come to pass? It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. And on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. You got to understand when Joel was prophesying this, he did not do that in Joel's time. Joel did not pour out his spirit on just anybody. In the Old Testament, He only poured His Spirit out on His chosen leaders. And so it was something that they longed for. This is what we don't get today. when I say we, I mean the world, and especially the church around the world, is that we we can experience something today in the church that the Old Testament church longed for. They longed for it. Joel, it's, it's like today, we're sitting here talking about the future. We're, we're longing for the day that Jesus comes back. Joel was longing for the day that this prophecy would come to pass, that he would pour out his Spirit on all flesh. Because they knew that, that it was only for certain people, so that the, the man or woman of God the, that were used at, the, at that time would get that pouring out of the Spirit. But he says, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. All flesh, meaning everybody can have it. It's all inclusive to those who want it. Okay, now go back to Acts again. So that's Old Testament prophecy. And now we pick up uh, what, why they were waiting. So, so you read that there, and, and then you go back to Acts chapter 2, and you read this verse here, and you see what, why there's an expectancy Because they don't think that they weren't reading Joel. And when Jesus said, I want you to go and I want you to wait so that the spirit will come. They know that he's pre-prophetsing Joel. Oh, yeah, that, that, that he'll pour his spirit on all flesh. And the sons and daughters, they're thinking, okay, this might be that. Okay, let me pick up. And as the rushing mighty wind, verse 2, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So we see God uh, fulfilling his word. He says, go in Luke 24. He goes, go in Acts 1, go to that place, wait for it. I'm going to send it. I'm, I'm leaving and I'm going to send my spirit. I'm going away. I have to go away so that I can send the spirit. So the third part of the Trinity can come down and do his part. So I'm going away. I'm going to send my spirit. And now it has happened on the day of Pentecost now this believe it or not this isn't even a message that maybe what you might think it is stay there and go to mark 16 real quick I'm teaching you our heritage I'm teaching you why we do what we do why we believe for what we believe for because these are the things that took place on the day of Pentecost mark chapter 16 another thing Jesus said before he left see it's interesting because when you say the word Pentecost Stereotypically, people automatically, as I said earlier, think tongues, uh, they think um, crazy, they think Jesus freak, they think cartwheels, they think wild, they think whatever they think. Whatever they think. But Jesus never intended for just some people to be walking in what the day of Pentecost is. Didn't. You think Jesus intended for there to be a whole bunch of different denominations? For there to be a whole bunch of different beliefs no at all the church is the church now it there's nothing wrong with with church is being in different places because we can't all fit in one place and that is god's will that there'll be churches but churches that believe the bible and and so it, it's thrown the world for a loop and that's why you got a generation of people that don't want to go to church anymore because most people don't know what they believe, let alone the, the church. you got to know what you believe. And so they say, well, what, that, what's the first question somebody asks you? If it's not religion, what religion are you? They say, what denomination are you? Where'd that come from? came from man, not from Jesus. It's like we said the other day. It, God intended for, and I don't remember when I said that, But God, it might have been discipleship, because me and Dwayne heard it. It might have been when uh, God intended it for the church to be like a donut shop. You don't ever see names on donut shops. It just says donuts. And what do you get at donut shops? Donuts. And what do you expect when you walk in a donut shop? To get donuts. That's the way God intended the church to be. It should say church. And they should expect to get Jesus. Amen? Isn't that how it should be? But no, we, we've got we've to gotta go read the doctrine. And we've got to go find out what they believe. And, we've gotta, and that's the day we live in. If, if I send someone to another city and they're leaving here and they move, I've got to go online and see what the church believes. Shouldn't be that way. God intended it that way. God intended us to believe what the Bible says. Somewhere along the line, people began to go off to the right and go off to the left. Somewhere along the line, people stopped believing for this, stopped believing for that. But I want you to see here that our history has not changed. Are you all still with me? Our history has not changed. What happened on the day of Pentecost? Well, let's go back to what Jesus said would happen. Mark 16. Was it supposed to rain tonight? All right. Well, we're in Texas. Verse 15. Watch this. Jesus says, go into all the world. Now, now understand right before we read this, 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 this part here, and go wait for the promise, are at the same time. This is, his, this is his last words. This is his last words to the church. Well, not even to the church, to his disciples, because the church isn't even born yet. Y'all there? So he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And those who believe for the first 70 years after I die and, re- and go into heaven will be baptized and be saved. And he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe for the next 70 years. That, does that say that? Is there a time frame there? Just say that they're, that they're, that this is ever going to end? Is this does this have a no? This this is not a this is not a, a an ending story. This is not a generational thing. This is something he intended for the church to walk in. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Who does not believe will be condemned. Watch this, and these signs will follow those who believe. Who believes in here tonight? Amen. Are you a believer? then these signs should follow the church in my name. Why do we pray in Jesus' name? Because he said, in my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They didn't know what that meant when he was saying it, just like a whole bunch of people today don't know what it means. They'll speak with new tongues. Tell me who will speak with new tongues in this verse. Believers. Amen. And they will take up serpents and if they drink anything deadly it will by no means hurt them and they will lay their hands on the sick and what will happen? They will recover. That's our history. That's our heritage. That's what Jesus was talking about that was going to take place. That's the stuff he wanted us to do as the church but that doesn't happen if we don't get filled with his power which is what the day of Pentecost is about. Okay. Now I'm going to end right here. We see that they're there on the day of the Pentecost 50 days after the ascension. Or sorry, after his resurrection, he, they're there waiting 10 days. The spirit falls. And let's read on in verse 5. And then they were dwelling in Jerusalem. Jew, they were, they're dwelling in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. Why were, why were Jews there from every nation under heaven? Because they were there to celebrate the feast of Pentecost. Like every Jew would do. Be like us today. Why are you you at church on Sunday? Because that's what Christians do. You see that? They were there because that's where where Christians go. Christians go to church. Does that make sense? Okay. Why were they in Jerusalem? Because that's where Jewish people went at that time of the year to celebrate. So they were there from all over the place. And it says, Devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused, watch this, because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Can I remind you what Jesus said would happen in Mark 16? And these signs shall follow. This is a sign. This is is a, 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 a marvelous work of God that these men and women would be in this room and be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk out and be, be speaking in tongues. And, and this is something that some people don't understand and get wrong, is that they were speaking in tongues that were other tongues that others could understand. But it was at that moment for a sign. It doesn't mean that they, that they spoke that language forever. That particular language. It was a sign that God was giving that He was doing something different and that He was speaking in a way that the people could not deny the power of God. He said, how in the world... And let's read on. I'm getting ahead of myself. Watch this. He says, when the sound accord, occurred, occurred, they heard their own language. Verse 7. And then they were all what? And what? Amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, are not all those who speak Galileans. They're saying, there's no way that that American that speaks English should be speaking Chinese. Just to give you an example. There's no way that that American, just putting ourselves in there, that American should be speaking Lebanese. There's no way that American that I know only speaks English should be speaking Spanish. How in the world is that? And and listen, for them to be amazed and marvel, it it was spoken in a way where it sounded like their native tongue. And we don't know what was being said, but it's possible that God was speaking through them and saying, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. I am pouring out my spirit on all flesh. Today, the church of Jesus Christ has been born and it will change history and it will rock the world and these men right here are going to leave this city and they're going to go and in 2,000 years, uh, the church is going to be in every nook and cranny of the world and it's going to the Bible's going to be in different languages. Isn't it possible that as they were speaking in tongues under the power of God, they had no idea what they were saying, but it's possible they were given that Of message and people were listening to them in their own language. Isn't that amazing? How is it, verse eight, that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Well, I want to tell you something. The church was born on the day of Pentecost, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Amen. And the evidence that they were they were baptized in the Holy Spirit is that they spoke in new tongues. And then he goes on to read uh, all these places, Parth- Parthians and Medes and Elamites and those dwelling in Mesopotamia and Judea and, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Persia, uh, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya, adjoining, he's reading all these places, visitors from Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. Isn't that amazing? We hear them speaking the wonderful works of God. In verse 12, so they were all amazed and perplexed and saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Maybe that's what the sound was right there. Here we are in church and there's a sound. I asked God that he would give me some sound effects tonight. So he answered, amen. They're praying and like a mighty rushing wind, the wind blew through that place, amen. Others mocked, said they're full of new wine and guess what, it was new wine. It was Holy Ghost wine. It was something that they thought they were drunk because they were different. They were changed. They were transformed. And so I want to end tonight by getting you to understand this. this is, it's an exciting thing to understand our history. And we need to make sure that this here does not change with us. And, and he goes on. And, and I'm going to ask you tonight, if you don't mind, just to hear one more verse. I've got many, but I want to go down to one. I don't want to leave out. Just quickly go down to verse thirty eight okay so hopefully you've got all this that happened now they're out there and they're saying these people are drunk and then without going into this this is a whole other message but we see Peter different than he was before the ascension Peter's bold now which I like to relate the boldness of the Holy Spirit the baptism of the Holy Spirit gives you boldness Now Peter stands up, the same Peter who was afraid to tell a girl that he was a believer, that he followed Christ, stands up with boldness and begins to preach to thousands and thousands of people. How many know that's an act of God? If you're in here tonight and you are shy and you can't talk in front of people and you stutter over your words and you're afraid and your knees tremble and you get sweaty palms and your throat gets dry and all these things happen when you have to do anything in front of anybody, can you imagine all of a sudden just standing up and walking up here and just speaking with a boldness and when you sit down, everybody here says, that was God. That's what happened with Peter. I believe the same disciples were going, whoa, Peter, that was anointed. Wow. Where'd that come from? And Peter said, what every person says that God uses, God spoke through me. It's a miracle. To God be the glory that he could use me to speak a message. That's what Peter did. But what did he say? As I, I want you to see it's important. Verse 38. He preaches so strong that they say in 37, what should we do? I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm ready, Jesse, for this world to ask me, what should I do? What should I do? What can I do to have what you have? Don't you want people to start asking you, what do I do to be saved? Instead of us having to tell them things and, and just having them come up, what do I got to do to be saved? Tell me right now. Can we, say the, can we say a prayer? That's what they're doing. They're saying, what should we do? Peter says, repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive The gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what they received on the day of Pentecost. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Watch for the promise. Now I want you to see this because some of you don't know this and it's okay. Some of you don't know that denominations preach today that that ended with the apostles. Those signs and those wonders and praying for the sick and speaking in tongues and casting out demons was just for that lapse of the apostles to spread the gospel. It's not biblical to say that because this verse says right here, for the promise is to you and to your children and to all, all who are afar off as many as the Lord our God will call all it's for today it's for tomorrow it's for your kids your grandkids and every generation it's ludicrous to think that we wouldn't need the power of the holy spirit more today than they needed 15 years removed from jesus christ well why isn't the gospel being preached because the church has lost its roots the church doesn't know what its roots are because in the in the in the in the mile-wide, inch-deep church that we are today in the world that has no biblical understanding because we sit there in church. And again, this is just general, not here, just general. We sit there in churches and nod our heads, don't read our Bible, don't pray, don't talk to God, don't seek the Scriptures, don't understand. We sit there and don't know what we believe. And so someone says, hey, are you Pentecostal? Are you Baptist? And you say, I, Yeah. But you don't even know what it means. And I mean this general. Again, I'm not talking to you here. I'm talking general around the world. People don't know what they believe. That's why the church needs to wake up and get back to its roots and do what happened in the day of Pentecost and and say, hey, let's have God use us in this way because it worked then, it'll work today. Amen. Give the Lord praise as as the musicians come tonight. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand to our feet. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. God, it's exciting. Just as we're hearing rain outside, Father God, all of a sudden, we're sitting here and all of a sudden rain falls on the roof. That's how it was on the day of Pentecost. They were were gathered together just like we are here, in one accord, one mind, and one spirit. And suddenly there came a mighty rushing wind that blew through that place And the fire of the Holy Spirit fell on them. And they were baptized. The Bible didn't say some of them were baptized. The Bible says all of them were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Church, tonight God is still pouring out His Spirit. God is still pouring out His power. And let me tell you who's got it. Those who want it. Whoever's got the power tonight is those who want the power, who want to walk in the fullness of God. don't, Don't sit around and wait for somebody else to be used. Say, God, use me. God, fill me. God, speak to me. God, give me the boldness of Peter tonight. Father, all over this place tonight, we're representing you. And we are the church that was born on the day of Pentecost when that day had fully come, Father, And tonight we ask you, Lord, to search our hearts. We ask you tonight to remind us, Lord, of our history, to remind us of what we come from, to remind us of who we are. And when we ask the question, what is a Pentecostal? We know now what it is. We know now what it means. It's not a denomination. It's the day the church started. It's who the church is. And on that day you filled those people, you changed lives and you gave them the equipping that they needed to make a difference in the world. How many all over this place, listening online, could say tonight, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I've never been born again, I need Jesus tonight, quickly, put your hand up and put it back down, I'm not saved. I need Jesus, I need a savior, that's me. If you're here and you're born again, is God using you the way you want to be used? If he's not, it's not that God doesn't want to, it's just that we got to make ourselves more available. we got to believe in our history, we got to believe in our heritage, we got to say, Lord, fill me tonight like you filled that church on the day of pentecost we're going to take just a few minutes tonight i'd love to open the altar to everyone if we just all come down tonight and stand across the front of the altar i want us just to stand and 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 be refilled tonight i'm not i'm not just talking about the baptism of the holy spirit if you've never been baptized in the holy spirit come down and pray and i believe he wants to baptize you tonight amen but if not i just want you to be refilled Just refreshed. As that that rain is falling outside, it can fall in this place tonight. As that rain is, and and I do want everybody to come that can. If you don't have a kid, come on forward. Amen. I'm going to make you all come to the altar tonight. We're going to pray. We're going to open up our hearts. Be filled. Be baptized. Be touched. Be restored. Be renewed. I, I can't speak for you, but I want more. I want more of God. I want want a fresh touch tonight. I I want him to use me better tonight than he's ever used me in my life. Amen. Is the keyboard not on very loud? Can't hear it. Amen. Amen.